We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. PrimeSpark is designed for women over 55, or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of PrimeSpark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved, and we need to get going now. And today I had the pleasure of talking with Krista Van Lan, a woman whose work totally intrigues me. Krista Van Lan lives in San Jose, California, where she works in high tech by day and pursues her love of local architectural history at night. She has a bachelor's degree in fine arts from Pratt Institute and a graduate certificate in preservation from the University of Kentucky. She is the author of many articles on architectural history and several books, including Frank Delos Wolf, California Prairie Architecture. Welcome, Krista. I'm so happy you're here with us today. I'm happy to be here, Sarah. <laughs> so just to get it started, let me ask you, do you experience getting older and if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it think you think you don't? I personally do not feel any older, although obviously society sees me as older, and I'm aware of that. Um, the reason I don't feel older is probably because I don't have children, so I don't see that aging progress, uh, although I have nieces and nephews. Um, I'm in great health. I'm super busy all the time, and I'm still working. And uh, actually, as you kind of mentioned, I'm working two jobs, my corporate job and my uh, freelance jobs at night. So I'm too busy to feel older. That's terrific. So when you say that society sees you as older, do you experience any of that directly? Yeah, um, you know, just kind of the reaction you get from people in stores not so much at work because people know me and when you know somebody and you work with them every day I don't think you see them as an age um but obviously older women are seen as older women you know and I don't particularly like it but that's the way it is yeah that's interesting that when you know people you don't so much think of age. So the people at work, are most of the people at work younger than you? Oh, yeah. I'm probably, I might be the oldest person in my 
Well, not in my company because there's probably some that are older, but I'm 68, which is past a lot of people's retirement age. I work in Silicon Valley where a lot of <clears throat> the workforce is young. Uh, my particular company doesn't have a, a heavily skewed young workforce because we're not one of the sexy, you know, dot-com type companies, but uh, we deal with hardware a little more. I've often found that uh, people in the hardware space are much more uh, accepting of older people. So, because so many of the electrical engineers are older, and a lot of the younger people are in software. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Um, yeah, that that is, makes sense. So, Krista, I see on your website that you live in an amazing home. Can yeah. you tell us about it? Uh, my house is, uh, it was built in 1921. I was just about to say it's 100 years old, but it's obviously past that. I've been trying for two years now to have its 100th birthday party. With COVID, it's been kind of hard. I'm waiting for that to all be over with, and then I'll have 102nd birthday party or something like that. Uh, it is a city landmark. It is designed by Frank Wolf, Frank Delos Wolf, uh, the architect you mentioned as one of the books I've written. He was in a uh, San Jose architect in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and he was inspired by Frank Lloyd Wright. So uh, Frank Wolf, our local architect here, did his own version of prairie architecture, a little more ornamental than Frank Lloyd Wright, um, just really beautiful work that was quite astounding in 1912 when he came out with these designs and he did that for another uh, 10 years or so. And how long have you had your house? I've had it for 16 years. I've, um, I, you know, maintain it, but I haven't really done any. The only thing I've done to change it in any way is I found some old photos of the first few years of the house's existence and I was able to restore some things that had been changed. I haven't done full restoration. In an ideal world, I would change the door out to what it used to look like. I would uh, change the window frames to give them their original design, but you can't do everything. I have done a few things, though, as best I can. Well, you haven't restored it, but you have a beautiful front door. Oh, the painted door. The, that you saw. The, I, I had actually on that myself. Yeah. yeah. How did you know how to do that? I do a lot of stuff. I've always done a lot of uh, DIY. I uh, I had an old house before. I had to. I had no money and an old house. I had to learn how to do everything. So if it's decorative or or uh, structural, I I try to do it all. So describe that door, front door to. to for people just because I, I was fascinated with it. I was trying to uh, think of how I could sell it as a door kit, but my house has a lot of trim, uh, kind of straight uh, squared trim around all the doorways and everything. So I bought some strips of uh, three-eighths of an inch uh, strip wood and kind of created a design on the door that matched the rest of the house and aligned with it painted it, uh, and then did stencil work. I had seen in some of these Frank Wolf houses that there was original stencil work from the late teens, and I tried to 
replicate that feel, if not the uh, actual design. So yeah, stencils, paint, and so I did a door. They had given me a price of seven thousand to do a new door. Wow! Uh, to make it look like the original door, so I spent a hundred dollars and and created my own door. <laughs> I love it. I think it's gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. You are also, you said you've done things. You're also an, an accomplished artist. I love your Ukrainian eggs and the mosaics. Oh, thank you. When did I, you start doing all this beautiful work? Well, I went to art school. Pratt Institute is an art school in New York, and my bachelor's degree was in fine arts. I used to do a lot of art. I worked in commercial art for a while. I, I uh, did a lot of painting, a lot of... I helped support myself part-time for a while by doing oil portraits. And I just have always done art. I don't have time to do it much these days because I'm writing all the time, but I'm actually, I had just decided that during this upcoming Christmas holiday, I'm going to do some mosaic work. I left a mosaic hanging undone about a year ago and I'm trying to get back to it. It's Oh, those are gorgeous. What um, do you have them in your home? Then are they? Do you make them into windows or? Uh, the mosaics are, you know, in and around my house, or I I do maybe picture frames and give them as gifts or tables. Um, mosaics. I I am a very slow mosaic artist. I take forever to do it, and it just does not always get done in as fast as I would like. But yeah, I mean, if if I could do it as fast as I would like, I would have a lot more than I could keep in my house, that's for sure. Well, I suppose if it comes a point in your life when you decided you've been in tech long enough um, and devote all of your time to your art and your house, it will make a difference in how much you can get done. I just love writing so much. I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back to doing art to the extent that I used to. I mean, I used to be able to sit there and just work for hours without looking. You know, you really get in the zone when you're doing art. More than writing, writing is a constant thinking of what to do and maybe stepping away from it. And and you're always kind of, uh, or I am always aware of what else is going on. With art, I can completely get into the zone and become unaware of anything else that's going on. And I like that feeling, and I would like it back. I think it's kind of in today's world where we have such short attention spans, it's hard for me to do that anymore. It takes a while, a few days, to get back into that kind of of uh, mode. Um, when I, ta- I still take art classes and, and workshops when I can, and I notice that it takes me quite a while to settle down into where I'm actually able to focus on it in the way I would like. That's it's interesting. What I've, I've written a bit, and um, I I do what you just described. I write and I step away, and I come back and I write and I step away. It's not something. I mean, I can get really involved, but I also step away from it and do other things, and then come back. And and you can you can walk away and and cook a sentence or two in your head, and then right. come back. Um, I can spend four hours in an evening and come up with one paragraph or I could bat out, you know, 10 pages in the same amount of time. Funny how it works. Yep. Yep. I think that's part of writing. That's um... mm-hmm. So tell me, Krista, what's the most exciting architectural project you've ever worked on? Oh, my goodness. Uh, wow. There are a lot. Um, 
I just love this, the top three rather than the one. <laughs> um, well, a lot of what I, what I do is just kind of like detective work. It's a lot of fun. I try to find all of the work of a given architect and discovering uh, buildings that someone's done that nobody else knew about. And I'm the first one to identify these with the architect is huge amount of fun. The other kind of work I've done is uh, San Jose has a, a program, uh, as I had mentioned, City Landmark, which is my house, where we can, the owners can nominate city landmarks, but they need a qualified consultant to be able to do it. And, and I am a qualified consultant with the state. So I prepare the nomination, describe architecturally and historically why their house is eligible and a recent one I did that was really exciting was the house um, where the Doobie Brothers got their start. <laughs> so a little more our time than you know turn of the cent turn of the last century, but it had it had two parts to it. In 1905, the house was designed by an architect that I have some expertise about, and it was um, the first resident was a somebody who was historically important in San Jose. And then in the early 1970s, the Doobie brothers rented that house. And uh, so we were able to get it named as a landmark. It was the first time I've seen the whole city like get so excited about an upcoming landmark. It made the news. It was, uh, I was interviewed in a, in a local paper and it was, it was really fun. And I actually even got some email from Tom Johnston, who's the lead singer in the Doobie Brothers. So that was an exciting moment. So that is probably the most fun recent one, but they're all super fun. I just like to dedicate all the time I can to them. I just recently finished a book on a neighborhood in San Jose that had a really interesting history and an interesting uh, uh, kind of a lot of integrity in that the houses are still pretty much the same as they were when it was developed as a subdivision in 1922. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going around doing, uh, preparing to do a lot of talks on that book. So that's kind of the thing that's on my mind now, but there's always some landmark nomination coming up. So always something going on in this area. You wouldn't believe it. I never heard of any of this, Krista. I'm so happy to learn about this. How did you get started in it? Oh, boy. Okay, so I moved to San Jose about 22 years ago, and I really liked the city because it was a city downtown with office buildings and university and everything. And all around the outside of the city's core were these little old neighborhoods that were beautiful. The California bungalow style is is what it sounds like. Um, and these houses had all kinds of different designs, Spanish Revival, um, Prairie, which I talked about with Wolf, um, uh, Tudor Revival, and, and, and small houses all to these kind of uh, nice some with landing and, and great architecture. So I just loved this. And I and I got really interested in it. And then I stumbled on a book about this Frank Wolf, this architect who did my house. And after I looked at it, I decided I wanted a Wolf house. 
The funny thing was, my ex-husband and I, it turned out that during our search for a house, which was very difficult in, in uh, Silicon Valley around 2000, you could, you could bid on 12. I know one guy who made 24 offers and did not get before he got his house. So it was very hard. But every house I discovered later that we offered on um, turned out to be a wolf in some form or another. One of them was his son's work, but he took over the, the partnership when the father died. Uh, some of them were at different time periods because you know, wolf was active for 35 years. But it, it was a very strange uh, coincidence. I decided I wanted one of these prairie houses and I started looking for one and uh, I wound up uh, getting my house. So once I got in, I, I was given a historical report with the house and that was really interesting. So I contacted the guy who had, now, by this time I was divorced, I'm living, rattling around in this huge house. Um, and uh, I contacted the guy who had done the historical report because at that time he had said it wasn't eligible for landmark status or national register status or anything else. But since he had written that report, it had become it, it had been modified back to its original look. It was restored in a, in a lot of places. So I said, "Can we revisit this and make it a landmark?" So I met with him and we started working on the research and everything and, and uh, creating the application, doing the, a new report. And I got to be fascinated by it. And he was very slow. So I started, I said, where can I find this out myself? So I started traveling into the San Francisco library every month to look up old builders magazines. And I started doing it. And then I started doing work for this guy free for quite a while. And at one point I said, Hey, I see that. Oh, so I ended up doing a lot of the historical sections of his reports over time. First I was just proofreading and then I, I was doing the research and I said, Hey, how, you know, you're listed here as an eligible consultant under California certification or whatever it was. I said, how do you get to be that? And he said, oh, you've got to have a degree in architecture, history, an advanced degree, and a this, that, or the other. And I thought, yeah, you know, usually there's a way around that. So I put together a list of all of, by this time I had written two, the two books. Oh, there's, yeah, there's more to this story. I forgot a good part of it. During all of this, I decided to do a, a, a homes tour of the prairie houses in San Jose. This was in 2012. That was the first one. And I had eight houses on the tour, people who had houses similar to mine designed by Wolf. And it was an enormous success. We actually had to close out ticket sales because we sold so many. And as people were coming through, they said, where's the book? So I thought, oh, there needs to be a book on this. So I wrote a book on the prairie style and then discovered that Wolf and his next partner in, two, uh, in 1917 had kind of launched Spanish revival in San Jose. So I wrote that book. Well, by this time, I had written a number of articles, those two books, done a lot of talks. So I put all this together for my application and uh, to be 
become a qualified consultant and they gave it to me. So once I was a qualified consultant, yeah, I could put my put my name on these lists. Um, you know, the city has my name on its list. I actually get more calls for work than I'm willing to do, you know, or able to do. So there's there's a lot of it's a lot more than just the landmarks. People want to demolish a building they, if it's of a certain age and a certain kind of historical status. They need to get a, a report on it if one doesn't exist. Uh, a lot of the town, uh, California is doing away with single family zoning. So one of the exemptions is if you're in a historical district. So a lot of the towns, cities are trying to identify their historical buildings before their neighborhoods are kind of messed up. I mean, they're going to lose some of the character of the towns when this happens. So there's a lot of interest in in doing reports for some of these buildings and you know, evaluations, which is a little bit different than just a landmark nomination. So once I once I got my, I'm not going to say license, but my qualifications, um, then I, at the same time I was going, I decided to go back to school at night, University of Kentucky, and did um, this graduate work in uh, preservation. So it was, you know, I would say I've been doing it since what, uh, 2012. It takes a lot of time to develop the knowledge of the history of the area. I, I'm still not there, but the more I learn, the more I'm able to put it all together and I can look at one name and say, oh yeah, I remember that. Well, this, you know, and, and I know how things connect. And and the guy I was doing the work for, his with his company, he had that knowledge because he had been doing it for so much longer than me. And I was always impressed by that. Well, I'm trying to get that to that same level myself. What a wonderful story, Krista. I mean, you have, um, and I'm thinking of older women and various ways that we stay active and interested and healthy, and 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 you're a perfect example of that. Um, Thank you. One thing I had told you, Sarah, last time we spoke was that the good thing about being a historian is it's totally okay to be old. <laughs> so <laughs> I might even be a plus. <laughs> True. I mean, it's just a, it's a wonderful story that this man who knew so much about all of it told you you'd have to have a degree and da 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 da, and you thought, eh, I don't know about that, and did it anyway. Too many, too many jobs list, you know, job qualifications listed where it said degree or equivalent. <laughs> right. Like they get, I have equivalent. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the equivalent. So, Chris, of all the things you've done, and you've done so many things, one of the three things you're proudest of? You know, I had this all figured out before, but let me think. Okay. I, in the 1990s, I moved to Finland and ended up living there for six years. That was Moving to a, a another country, I think, is a really important thing for people to do. It gives you a huge different perspective on everything. So that's one. I I think I already mentioned the house stuff, working on this old house and doing everything from plumbing to electrical to laying floors to putting up sheetrock to just all the things I did. That was 
pretty exciting. And I still feel like that person. I don't do so much of that anymore. I don't know if I want to, but um, that was something I was very proud of what I was able to do with that. And then my books. I mean, I have to say, writing these books, I had a bucket list when I was in my 20s, I guess, of the things I wanted to do. And of course, publishing a book was on that list. So I've I've done that and and you know I'm I'm super proud of what I've been able to do with my writing and publishing while people are still reading books. I mean it won't be forever but you know it, people are still occasionally buying and reading books so I want to I want to be in on that before it goes away. I think people are going to keep buying and reading books. I be, I have to believe that cuz I just love holding a book and I know a lot of people who love holding a book. So yeah yeah, <laughs> I'm holding on to that. So, um, is your uh, family background Finnish? No, no. Um, that's a different story. Um, my family is of Dutch descent. So, my father was a scholar of Henrik Ibsen, who's a Norwegian playwright. So, I had my family had lived in Norway for a year when I was younger. So, I had this idea that Finland was similar. That was before I went. Uh, one of my friends moved there, got a job, and real and thought I would be the perfect person to work on uh, as a, a three-month employee for the summer. So I went over there for the summer and discovered that the product she was working on and what I was doing and the whole country, I, I really liked it a lot. So they offered me a full-time uh, residency, and then I stayed there for six years. Did you speak Finnish at the time? I took lessons for six years, and I tried. I worked at it. I got by. Put it that way. It's considered the hardest language for an English speaker to learn, but I got by. Good. I kind of had to. I remember the when I first went there, I was trying to. I went to the post office, and I was attempting to buy a, an airmail stamp. And I could not make myself understood because I didn't live in the city. I lived in a suburb. So I didn't run into people who were fluent in English. Uh, I, I struggled. I don't even remember what I finally did to get my stamp. But one day I went in there a few months later and I was able to make myself understood. And everybody actually applauded in the post office. So it was pretty funny. So what's next, Krista? What what dreams haven't you realized? I'm not sure there's anything I haven't realized. I've done pretty much everything I wanted to do, but I still want to do more of the same. I would like to maybe move. I'm always interested in buying property. Um, you know, I'm super interested in, in houses. I'd love to collect houses if I could. Unfortunately, I can't. I want, I have a lot more stuff to write. I've got a list of books. Uh, I've got a couple in the works right now, and I've just got a list of books that need writing. I, wow, I don't know. I just recently broke up with someone after nine and a half years, and I would not mind having another relationship. And that's where old comes in. You just, you know, some people would say, oh, you know, my mother, for example, ah, you're too old for that. But 
I'm now seeing, I, I know so many women lately in their 60s and 70s who have either met and moved in with someone or got married recently. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I think it'll happen. Uh, COVID's made things a little hard, but that's probably what I'm going to try to make happen next. That's very exciting. You never do old, Krista. You never do old. Yep. yep. So the last thing I just have to ask you about are your kitty cats. Oh, my cats. They are uh, on your website. Oh, oh, those are gone. I, I need to update that. I have oh, three those now. Four beautiful kitty cats. Yeah, I have three now. Four was too many. They, uh, The last two died during COVID. And my house was terribly empty, and I it was really hard to get a pet during that period. I I think I went, I tried five different uh, rescue places and was ghosted by most of them. I finally ended up uh, getting my cats a, a hour and a half from here after a 15-page application and three references with phone numbers. So my cats are all living high off the hog right now in my house. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I gotta update the cat. Yeah, but they look put new pictures on because it was, yeah, they look a little yeah. bit like the ones you saw. I'm kind of big on the a certain look, although I have one orange cat who waved his hands wildly at me from his cage, so I took him home. <laughs> <laughs> that can happen. I, uh, the last cat I uh, got, he's uh, now 16, and I got him when he was 10. And I did not want an older cat because I had just lost a cat and I didn't want to go through it. Right. But, you know, when you see when you see a kitty waving at you, that's just that's just it. I know. I picked him up because the, the foster mother said, oh, he's the most loving cat there is. And I had two others ready to take with me. And uh, I held him for a minute and he was fine and I put him down and suddenly the arms shot out of the cage stretched out a mile and waved so wildly at me I said okay I'm taking him <laughs> oh that's a wonderful story well thank you Krista that's that's our time today please join us again you can find out more about our prime spark podcast on every popular outlet Find out more about Prime Smart at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Krista Van Lan. What fun discussion we've had. And don't forget, you can find her at Where Can People Find You If They Want To, Krista? My website, at which I have to update the cat pictures, is kvanlan.com. That's K. B-A-N-L-A-A-N.com. And my email's on there if anyone wants to write to me. And I can highly recommend looking at that website, and she will update it, but it is really fun stuff to look at. So thank you for being with us today. Take care, spread tolerance, and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.